from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The Nuggets jumped out to a massive lead early. The Lakers scraped their way back into the game, and what we ended up with was a dramatic finish for Game 1. Most importantly for Denver fans, they take a 1-0 lead. Most importantly for Lakers fans, they survived the beginning of the game and they fought their way back. Both sides right now can feel pretty positive. The question is, what did we actually learn about these teams? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Game one tonight of the Eastern Conference Finals. Heat at Celtics coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. But, Harry, we were watching last night, and we saw almost like two different games at one point. We saw a first half that was just absolute sheer total domination by Denver. And in the second half, the Lakers made some tweaks. The Lakers found a way to fight their way back into this game. I can see why both sides feel positive. The question is, now that we've seen one game, what did we really learn? Like, what do you feel differently about now or feel like you can take forward into game two that you learned from this? Well, I think from the Los Angeles Lakers standpoint, getting back in transition, um, that's what really hurt you in game one. Well, one of the things that hurt you in game one being able to sprint back off of misses, but also makes, right? Don't be casual once you see the ball go through the basket. Don't be satisfied. Don't be happy. You got to sprint back because what we know about the Denver Nuggets is that they're going to get the ball out fast regardless of the situation, if it's a make or a miss. So get back in transition and have your defense set to make things harder for the Denver Nuggets. Also, rebounding. That is very, very key. We've seen the Los Angeles Lakers in this playoffs, and we've seen Anthony Davis really be a monster on the boards. But I think in this series, it can't just be AD. It has to be everyone collectively, you know, finding a body, but also, you know, boxing out and getting the loose balls and not just letting the Denver Nuggets win the 50-50 balls and winning the rebounding battle. And I think lastly, when you see the Los Angeles Lakers, that that two-man game between Nikola Jokic and, and Jamal Murray – it, it was entirely too easy, right? With the little dribble handoffs and Jamal Murray's coming off Jokic's uh, uh, body and getting clean, wide-open looks to the point to where he had 31 points in that game, right? Because he got so many wide-open and, I'll say, warm-up-looking looks mm. at the basket, being a natural pure shooter. And I think the Lakers, they're going to have to close space and figure out how they're going to defend that because those are three of the things that hurt them in game one. Even though they came back and made it a ball game in the fourth quarter, if you cut away one of those things, you probably come, come away with the victory in that game. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about all of this because I hear that. And for me, I think I feel a little bit more positive about the Nuggets right now. And I, I feel positive about the Nuggets for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, I, I play this game with you all the time. But if I had told you, if we had walked into yesterday's game, uh, before the game actually started, if we had sat down and said, okay, let's make a prediction, and I had told you in that process that AD would have 40 points, 10 boards, 2 blocks, 3 steals, just that portion of it. LeBron <laughs> would be 1 assist shy of a triple-double with 26 points. Austin Reeves would go off for 23 points on an efficient night. Hachimura would give effective minutes and score 17. If I had given you all of that breakdown... You'd have probably thought, I'd have probably thought that the Lakers were going to win that game, right? So uh, part of me looks at it from the Nuggets standpoint and said, man, 
what you did is you also, not only did you play incredibly efficiently, which I think is important, but I think the Nuggets also survived greatness from Anthony Davis. They survived a just an imposing will of LeBron James. Like the one play where LeBron made it all the way back under the rim to block a shot showed you he was playing at a different level. When yep. you survive an AD and LeBron level like that, Man, I, if I'm if I'm the Nuggets, I feel pretty good on it. And in fact, they really got picked on and pick and roll. Uh, the the Lakers were going after Jamal Murray. He didn't have an answer for it. So when we talk about easy adjustments, I'd be stunned if Mike Malone doesn't make some sort of an adjustment to that to try and help there. So what I'm seeing, you're right, are open looks and easy shots. But I think both sides gave hell of an effort. Like both sides gave well, everything, and the Nuggets still got the win. Well, let me say this about the Denver Nuggets because I have. I I had jotted some things down about them as well. And you talked about, you know, the, the Lakers going to a pick and roll to where now they're forcing Jamal Murray on a stronger body guy like LeBron James or Hachimura, right? I think the Denver Nuggets, they have to exert extra effort to not let that happen and not switch so easily. I also believe like when they the Lakers went to the lineup with Rui Hachimura, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, those three guys on the back end, or I say say on the front line, for the for the Lakers, I think that may have posed a little problems, but I do believe that Mike Malone is going to make adjustments to that. And then lastly, you know, in the second half, the Los Angeles Lakers shot over 65 percent. I don't think the Denver Nuggets can allow that either. So moving forward, I think it's going to have to be adjustments by both sides of the ball. But I think one of the things that, that, that that's really lost in this conversation is that the supporting cast for both teams outside of D'Angelo Russell were phenomenal. The supporting cast of of, of, their, of your superstar players were phenomenal. You look at the scoring balance that the Denver Nuggets had, we know Jokic had 34 in a triple-double. But you also had Jamal Murray with 31. You had KCP, who scored the basketball and hit 21 points, but also defended very well. You had Bruce Brown coming off the bench hitting 16 points. And you had, um, I think it was Gordon, with 12 points, and then Michael Porter Jr. with 15. The scoring was balanced when it came to the Denver Nuggets, and then you look at the Lakers side of the things. You just mentioned Austin Reeves with 23 points, and he was phenomenal in the fourth quarter. Hachimura with 17 off of the bench, right? And AD scoring 40, and LeBron one assist shy of a triple-double. So I think the supporting cast of both of these teams were phenomenal outside of D'Angelo Russell. So I think moving forward, I think it's going to become a make-or-miss league when it comes to these two supporting casts. Which cast is able to make the, uh, the most baskets and support the superstars on this team, and which ones won't be able to hold that weight? Now, that's some of our thoughts. This is what Tim, Le- Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, said last night on the 11 p.m. Sports Center about why he thinks the Lakers should be encouraged after the Game 1 loss. I just thought Denver's readiness at... Uh, I'm sorry, I hit the wrong one. Darvin Ham's speech to his team tomorrow is, listen, at no point in this game did we slow them down remotely, and I've never felt better. Like, that's basically because of the way that they finished because they, they did make some adjustments. And I think the key for him was they finally did start to at least make Denver work for what they were getting. I mean, I hear that, but also some of that is the presumption that the Lakers can just take some of that away. What I think is really interesting is I don't think the Lakers can take AD away at all. I don't think the uh, sorry, I don't think the Nuggets can take AD away at all. Yep. I don't think the Lakers 
can take Jokic away at all. So I'm just looking at it saying, all right, if these two teams are just going to continue to do this to each other, if I'm the Nuggets, I feel pretty good about that. Like, all right, we'll go toe-to-toe with that, and we'll just let this one play out. I, I That has well, that, to be that's, part of that, this. See, that's where the supporting cast come in at, right. right? And it's whose supporting cast will be better moving forward in these games individually, right, um, to, to get a win in this series or win the series. And I think right now the edge is to Denver – because we don't know what we're going to get from a D'Angelo Russell. Austin Reeves has showed that, you know, he's going to show up and you can count on him. But a D'Angelo Russell and also a Dennis Schroeder, both of those guys didn't have mega games, right? Those are your two point guards. And you need those guys to be feasible out there while they're on the basketball court and not just be, you know, a blind spot. Dennis Schroeder had a phenomenal series versus the Golden State Warriors. D'Angelo Russell showed up at moments. But in game one, neither one of those guys, I thought, did the job that they, they that the Lakers needed for them to get a win. But if I'm Denver, I'm looking at it and saying, man, okay, we let the Lakers shoot 70% on uncontested shots. So they're the only four teams have ever done that in the playoffs. They're the first ever to lose. We let that happen defensively. That wasn't good enough. I mentioned earlier, Jamal Murray, a second spectrum, had a great breakdown on this. Murray was the screener defender for 12 on-ball screens in game one. That's the most this season, particularly in a four-minute span in the fourth quarter. They abused Jamal Murray. So if you're the if you're the Nuggets, you can look at that and say, okay, we figured that out. We will adjust for that. So I think in some ways the adjustments the Nuggets need to make moving forward are actually easier than the adjustments that the Lakers need to make. Because at the end of the day, we were reminded yesterday, even with AD, even with AD, if you decide to double Jokic, you are absolutely playing with fire. Like you double Jokic. I know what film the Denver Nuggets need to go watch. Um, it, It was a year where... You know, LeBron was with the Cavaliers and they wanted to get Steph Curry in the pick and roll and abuse him, right? And I thought the Golden State Warriors did a great job of being intentional of not just letting that happen and letting LeBron just have his way all game long, even though he still probably scored the basketball, but not at an abusive rate. They were very intentional on getting back and recovering from the screen uh, pick and roll action. Right. And I think Denver and Mike Malone, they need to go back and probably watch that tape because you don't want Jamal Murray in a situation to where he's getting exhausted from the body blows of LeBron James because you need him as a scorer. But also you don't want his legs getting tired or you don't want to pick it up foul. So now he has to sit down. Uh, and that's another guy that you're counting on to give you points on the offensive side of things. Yeah, we're going to let you guys chime in, by the way. See some of you guys want to get involved in the conversation. That can always happen. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We will certainly get your calls and your thoughts on the Lakers Nuggets series. 888-729-3776. We'll also keep breaking it down ourselves. But coming up, the most troubling thing in the NBA right now has more developments. We will get you updated on it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Breaking news where the Memphis Grizzlies have suspended John Morant from all team activities after another Instagram Live video surfaced, apparently showing him with a handgun. It was easy to defend John Morant the first time. You're in a bad spot when you lose the benefit of the doubt, and I think he's lost that. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
breaking news where the Memphis Grizzlies have suspended Ja Morant from all team activities after another Instagram Live video surfaced, apparently showing him with a handgun. At the end of the day, it's not just about Ja Morant. It's about you being a global superstar for this multi-billion dollar league where the faces of those leagues face a different level of scrutiny. Morant served an eight-game suspension in March after he displayed a handgun during an early morning Instagram Live session from a Denver area strip club. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. As you just heard as we came back, obviously most of us are aware at this point of the John Morant situation. An Instagram live video with he and a friend where it appears that he flashed a handgun. This coming after an incident earlier in the year. John Morant released the following statement. I know I've disappointed a lot of people who have supported me. This is a journey, and I recognize there's more work to do. My words may not mean much right now, but I take full accountability for my actions. I'm committed to continuing to work on myself. Now, this all, obviously, we're waiting <laughs> for a reaction from the league. Harry, I want you to yeah. hear first. This is what Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, said last night on NBA Countdown, specifically about the incident. Honestly, I was shocked when I saw this weekend that video. Now... We're in the process of investigating it, um, and we'll figure out exactly what happened to the best we can then. It's, again, it's the video's a bit grainy and all that, but I'm assuming the worst, you know, and, uh, but we'll, fi we'll figure out, you know, exactly what happened there. Now, for me, it's two things. First, I'll start with John Morant, and I know he um, gave his apology or whatnot and made a statement, but right now there's a lot of people rolling their eyes right now at the statement because of what just you know, transpire after already being suspended and having the gun in the strip club or whatnot. Um, this is a second incident that happened and he's not, has not made the best judgment. Now the things that stood out to me when it comes to commissioner um, Adam Silver is number one, he said he was shocked. He was shocked because he was able to meet with John Morant and John Morant probably told him some things that, you know, what he had done in his past will not transpire again moving forward in the future. Well, that came out not to be true because here we are in the same situation again. Also, he mentioned he's assuming the worst. And when a commissioner of anything sits here and says he's assuming the worst when it comes to a player in his league, I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good for this player. Now, when it comes to John Morant, I think the apology, okay, it's great that you did it. But at this moment right now, actions speak louder than words. And I think more so than the apology, people want to see what your actions are going to be moving forward and in the future. But right now, the game of basketball should be the last thing on his mind because now you have to deal with a situation of him potentially being suspended from basketball play. I think hearing Adam Silver say he's shocked has power. Those yep. words mean something. And I'm going to remind everybody that this is a conversation that requires nuance. I say that because obviously I think we all understand and we've broken down on this show several times. This is not a Second Amendment issue. Obviously, I lived in Nashville. You live in Nashville. I'm aware of the carry laws in that state. He yep. has the right to have a gun. He has a right to have the gun on him. We've never disputed that. He's also part of a union where everything is collectively bargained, including but not limited to punishment for conduct detrimental to the league. Now, having talked to people around the situation, what we understand is that when he violated the rules the first time, it immediately became a conduct detrimental detrimental to the league issue. 
once that uh, what that door was opened, once that was cracked open, now everything falls under this umbrella. A lot of people right now seem to continually be talking about what his legal rights are. I will remind the world. I will remind everybody. Racial slurs uh, are not illegal. I will remind everybody that homophobic language is not illegal. You use those on mic in the middle of an NBA game, you will be punished for conduct detrimental to the league. There's a reason this clause exists. So this isn't about his right to have an, a, a forearm. This isn't a, about a, a weapon. This is about his right to his, his employment, I should say, with the NBA, Harry. And I just I have to continue saying that because everybody's saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. There's no yeah, but here. You're part of a union. There's a policy. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that, that a lot of people need to understand, okay, right? Number one, he was wrong in taking a gun into an environment and had to take it on a team plane when he had it in Denver, right? That's against league policy. Now, we have the second incident of him flashing, you know, a handgun on an Instagram live video. That's conduct detrimental to the NBA. So they do have the right to issue punishment that's warranted for John Morant because they're not going to let you destroy their shield, it's just like any other company. You can't just go go work for any other company and do what the hell you want to do and say you have constitutional rights to, to, to bear arms in this whole nine. That doesn't work like that. I that's mean, not, the, it's not, it's not the way things work. Isn't that what we see almost every day on social media when somebody's posting a video of somebody else being, whether it's somebody that's, you know, fat shaming or somebody that's out there acting terrible towards somebody? How often do we see that video get posted? And then all of a sudden somebody says, well, go find their employer. Like, you know, that the reason that people do that is because in in some theory in modern social media it feels like everybody action action has consequence we're all representing something when i'm out if i'm out in west hartford hanging out if I, I play kickball if i go off at kickball with evan and devin on my team and i act like that ass and all of a sudden i get in somebody's face maybe i haven't violated a single law through this whole process but you think my bosses aren't going to be worried about it if i don't cross the line like this is the modern expectation this is the nba we're talking about and adam silver made that abundantly clear according to the people that we've talked to adam silver made that abundantly clear to john morant the first time that's why i think adam silver is going to come down with the thunder of the gods on this suspension. Well, and, and it's and it's to the point now where adam silver can't he can't have I don't care what's the magnitude of the player. He can't have a player making a mockery of him or making it seem like you can tell the commissioner anything that you want to tell him and then go do another thing. Right. Especially when it's something as serious as what John Morant had going on. I just think at this moment, he's going to make an example out of John Morant. So the rest of the NBA and the rest of the players in the league understand where he's coming from. And it's unfortunate because, the, Fitz, I've been on here and I said time and time again how soft I thought Adam Silver was at, at times mm-hmm. when it's come to players, when it's come to owners, when it's come to coaches. But now I think he's forced and, and, and pushed back in a corner to where he can't be soft when it comes to this matter. Yeah, well, and Stephen A. Smith on first take broke down exactly why he thinks Ja will be suspended. Adam Silver gave the impression of feeling betrayed 
I, I thought we talked about this. I thought we handled this. Now you're forcing me to take a position I never really wanted to take. I was lenient on you. I was light on you. I could have made a decision in the best interest of the game and came down hard on you the first time. But now you put me in this position. That is the reason Adam Silver should possibly have a heavy hand on John Morant. But it shouldn't be because John Morant is some criminal out there acting up and putting others in harm's way. That's not what happened here. It is all nuance. That's the one thing I will continue to say. In a world where everybody wants to yell on social media, what this show's not going to do is we're not going to yell one way or another about it when it comes to what the gun rights are. This is all about a very basic discussion from a former athlete yep. and, and, frankly, from a, a union member that has uh, – you were part of the, the players' union. I've been part of musicians' unions. I've been part of touring organizations that have certain rules. And what we both understand on this show is that when those rules are put in place, even if it doesn't break our law, if you break those rules – punishment comes from it. Well, can I say this really quick, though? Because I think it's also as simple as, you know, your mom and daddy used to teach you growing up. There's a time and a place for everything, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a time, it's, it's, isn't it that simple? It's a time and place for everything. That that wasn't a time and place for John, for John Moran to be doing what he did. It, a thousand, couldn't have said it better. That's well said. Uh, we'll keep you updated on any new developments we get throughout the course of the day, obviously. But coming up, how would a world champion big man try to slow down Jokic? And He'll tell you why the Lakers should actually be encouraged by their game one loss. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is how year 24 as a head coach ends. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I okay. our relationship is okay. Breaking news. The Philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach, Doc Rivers. I can't say I'm surprised. We've talked about this all season long. There are consequences to a lack of results. Big news coming out of Philadelphia as we continue to try and figure out the why, the how, the when, the where of Doc Rivers being let go by the 76ers. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Bon Jovi was my first concert, Harry. What was your first concert? What's the first, like, first time Harry, Doug, like, I'll, I'll, I'll paint the picture while you while you go back in the memories. Well, uh, well, no, no, I, okay, I have okay, it. Got it. it. was, it was, was T.I. T.I. was my first uh, concert. We, again, it's for the culture. T.I. was your first, how old were you? Yeah. Ooh, I can't even remember. I know it was live though. Like he had the energy, and you know that that was that was that was the streets Ti at the time yeah. too. So that was that was some bangers that he was dropping uh, at that concert. Uh, mine was the Bon Jovi New Jersey tour. Oh man! And I remember it was my birthday present. My mom and dad got us tickets. My dad took me. I sat on the uh, I sat on his shoulders on the lawn seats in Scarborough, Maine. And I remember my uh, 
my the whole time thinking, man, my dad's cigarettes really smell funny. Well, they weren't <laughs> cigarettes. They were not breaking development. Ray Fitz was out there. Like we father, were, like, like son. son. Exactly. <laughs> Devin, what was, your, what was your first concert? It's a family affair, baby. I think I was like 10 years old. My older brother was in high school at the time. Drug me to a... No, well, he didn't drug me. Dragged Whoa. me to a Dave Matthews band concert. And similar, I was like, what does that smell to my older brother? And he's like, don't worry about it. Okay, uh, that's. We'll, we'll get everybody's answers on this now. Evan, real quick, what was your first one? Weird Al. Okay, that's the, that's that's the, on brand. You that's me? on brand. Yeah, so far everything's on brand. All right, uh, we got the big news out of Philadelphia that, that has just come across the board. We want you to hear it. We want our next expert to hear it. Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us right now on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and Perk. I appreciate you hanging out with us. I appreciate you joining us. I want to play this. We haven't heard it. You haven't heard it. This is what Daryl Morey, 76ers GM, just said at his press conference about Joel Embiid's reaction to the fire of Doc Rivers. They had a strong relationship. I mean, they're, I have to make tough calls all the time with trades. Joel was disappointed and, you know, some of it was he didn't know the player we were getting in the trade who ended up helping us, but he was disappointed in the players that went out. I think it's natural to be very close with the people in the locker room. Um, he was very close with Coach Rivers. Yeah, he was shocked about the change and it's my job to uh, help convince him that the new coach is someone that he'll have a great relationship with as well. Perk, what do you think of that statement? Get out. <laughs> get out. If I'm Joe Ellen B, get out. Especially if they give James Harden a new contract. Because all of a sudden, Joe Ellen B, you're going to be very, very frustrated. You're going to be more frustrated now if they if you have to deal with Dale Moore and James Harden than you were with Ben Simmons. I would get out. I would get out. One, how do you not consult with your MVP about the firing of a coach? How do you not even think about talking to him about that? You know why you don't think about talking about it? Because your focus wasn't about uh, Joel and B. Your focus, again, is about your love affair with James Harden. <laughs> and that's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. How can I keep James Harden? You wasn't worried about Joel and B, which makes zero sense to me. So you thought you had it bad when you were dealing with Ben Simmons, but you're going to have it even worse. Because, again, what have these guys proven? Nothing. These are the same guys that told people that the mid-range was dead. This was the analytics department that came from Houston that only solely talked about making threes and shooting layups. They didn't even practice mid-range. You got you 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 almost practice almost got canceled if you shot a mid-range shot at practice when you was in Houston. This is disturbing. Well, Perk, I, I would say this, and we had this conversation may have been Monday and also yesterday, right? And one of the things I was saying is that normally when you have an MVP award winner and a superstar player. We will consult him and figure out how he's feeling and if he wants to keep Doc Rivers there. But I think the fact that you have Daryl Morey and James Harden and their relationship is so strong to the point to where I feel like they went and had the conversation, uh, Daryl Morey and James Harden, that Embiid and Daryl Morey should have been having. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and they're about to literally 
burn this organization down. I don't know why, why Dale Moore, of all people, got so much hope and belief in James Harden. But to me, what it sounds like is that he's prioritizing James Harden more than he is Joel Embiid. Think about that for a second. Uh, it doesn't even make it sense. Make to sense. Me. I mean, I, I sat here on air and, and just yelled for the last twenty four hours. There's no way they're not talking to a beat. I mean, uh, like it, it's it's maddening to me. I don't understand how you can have the MVP and not give a damn about his opinion when you're changing the coach. Like in the modern NBA culture, Perk, that just it it, it doesn't make sense. It can't make sense. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I love your thoughts on it, and thanks for letting us throw that on you as a surprise. I do want to get your thoughts. I know you watched last night's game, but I, I really importantly, because we've been talking so much about Jokic and how great he was, you played the game as a big man. What would you do to try and slow down the way Jokic beat the Lakers yesterday? Well, well one, is nothing that you can do. And I believe the recipe of actually beating the Nuggets is that you're not going to slow down Jokic. He just, he's too skilled. He's arguably the most skilled big to ever touch the basketball. But you cannot let the others get off. You cannot let KCP, Jamal Murray have big nights. Michael Porter Jr., you can't let those get off and Jokic have a monster night. You're not going to beat the Nuggets. It's going to be hard. But outside of that, if I'm the Lakers, I feel real confident going to game two. I really do. Well, I was I would say this from you know Darvin Ham. We've seen him make the proper adjustments in the last series against the Golden State Warriors. I know he started Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell in this game one. Would you insert Hachimura into the starting lineup for one of those guys moving forward in this series? I wouldn't even think twice about it. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't you can't worry about guys' feelings. Uh, one thing we know is that Dennis Schroeder is a is a team guy. Whether he's starting or coming in off the bench, he's still gonna bring the same great energy. He's gonna be all the way in. Now you will have a problem, prop with D'Angelo Russell. So, in order to keep him engaged, he'll give him that starting role. But I always keep preaching to people. We, we can't continue to get caught up in who's starting because it's not who's starting, it's who's fin- who finishes the game. Like, you can start and only play 15 minutes, but when it matters the most and it's a possession-by-possession game late in that fourth quarter, that's when you want to be in the heat of the battle. Yeah, it's well said by you, my friend, and obviously a lot to break down uh, on this series over the course of the next few weeks, man. We know uh, you're busy today. We appreciate you hanging out, giving us your expertise and your insight. As always, have a great run. Enjoy watching well, these hold playoffs. On. Oh, really, wait, really, sorry, really, sorry, really sorry, quick, sorry, 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 sorry. Really quick, Perk. How in the hell do they don't have a conversation with MB, <laughs> Perk? That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, man. it's um, ri- Go ahead. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Man. That's that's ridiculous. Oh, Perk, we appreciate you, brother. Thanks for yeah. thanks for making us not feel crazy because it felt crazy to me. No. I, you, you, you've helped us all out today, man. We appreciate you. All right, thank you. That's Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Joel Embiid may not be the only superstar making an exit strategy. That's right. We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80.
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason and Harry hot on. So hot. So hot. And what are they cool on? It's in or out. Are you in or out? On Fitz and Harry. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. It's a simple game, in or out. Evan's going to read us a statement. For example, like, is Fitz going to pee his pants? In or out? Like, I don't know. I've been drinking a lot of water. I didn't pee last break. Now it's all I can think about. In. I'm in. I'm in. That's where we go. That's where it's going to go. All right. So, in or out is the game, and we will uh, see where we go on these statements. So, uh, we will start uh, with some some big breaking news. Evan, what do you got for us first? Yeah, so Daryl Morey said that he did not consult Joel Embiid and that Joel Embiid was shocked. By the Doc Rivers firing. So, are you guys in or out that Joel Embiid should ask for a trade? Woo! I'm 100% in on this one. I think at this standpoint, uh, Daryl Morey is more concerned about James Harden and not his MVP award winner, James uh, Joel Embiid. And I think he should run for the fences as fast as he can to ask for a trade and try to go somewhere uh, where him and the you know the guy making the decisions could be on the same page. Not only that, not only am I in on it, I think Embiid should do it with as much disrespect as was just given to him, he should just go to Twitter right now and say, trade me. Like, don't even tell the organization. If the organization is not going to ask the MVP about firing their coach, you yeah. don't know the organization a damn thing. So I, I, if I'm Joel Embiid, I'm using social media today to get my way out. Speaking of superstars getting their way out, Devontae Adams told The Ringer he has reservations about the Raiders' vision for the offense. Quote, the front office thinks this is the best bet for us right now to put us in position to be urgent. We don't see eye-to-eye what we think is best for us right now. In or out, this will be Devontae Adams' last season with the Raiders, Fitz. Well, I mean, if he wants to go out with the Super Bowl, I mean, maybe that's the way he wants to do it. <laughs> Son of a biscuit, I can't even... Yeah. I'm in. I think when you look at the salary cap numbers, it's pretty easy after this year for him to move on and go somewhere else. I don't... As much as he also said in that article that he wants to be part of the turnaround of the franchise and there's social media pictures of him with the GM with their arms around him. There's all this positivity. Nah, I mean, Jimmy G's not going to be good enough. He's not going to get enough touches and he'll get traded after that. Yeah, I think Devontae Adams, he wants to win, right? Just seeing him at the Kentucky Derby um, also... Very uh, fond young man. Did you give me a jersey? Did you give me a Raiders jersey? No, stop. No, stop. But I just think it's at this point, when I look at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? What's one of the knocks on Jimmy Garoppolo? He's not not uh, that quarterback that's going to throw the football down the field and push the ball down there like we know a Devontae Adams is going to be open. We've seen him do that with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen him be open last year along with Derek Carr as well. I just don't think the makeup of this offense is predicated off of that under Josh McDaniels as well. And he doesn't want to be a part of the rebuild. He wants to win, and he wants to win now. So I think this will be his last year. All right. Speaking of the NFL, let's uh, hear what Joe Burrow had to say when he was asked about having his teammates in mind amid contract talks. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, whenever you have guys on the team that need to be paid, that's always on your mind. You want that to, to be a focal point, and so we're, we're working to, to make that happen. All right, in or out, Joe Burrow will be the highest paid player in the NFL. I'm in on that. I think it'll happen for a day. 
and then Patrick Mahomes go out and do a new restructure or something. But yeah, for a day, he'll find they'll find a clever way to still make him highest paid, and then tell us it's also a team friendly deal. Harry, they'll do all of it at once. Well, that's my thing. I'm in on that too. I think the way the Cincinnati Bengals structured the contract will probably make it be uh, team friendly. And with that being said, now other guys can be signed, and you can keep guys on that roster as well. So in the in the latest ESPN NFL Power Ranks, the Jets are ranked 12th. I will say, this is the same spot the Jets were with four weeks to go in the season last year with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. So, are you guys in or out that the Jets are the 12th best team in the NFL uh, Wait, right wait, now? but that's, that's a bit of a couching of the data here. Because after free agency, <laughs> they had the Jets ranked as 16th. Yes. So, they've moved from 16th to 12th right. by adding but Aaron Rodgers. They're saying they're in the same position they were with four weeks to go in the NFL season. Harry, in or out, Jets are the 12th best team in the NFL. Uh, that's out. I think they should be way higher than 12th. You just added Aaron Rodgers, a guy who's won multiple MVPs, a guy that has a Super Bowl under his belt, a guy that played at an extremely high level. Every year in the National Football League, except for probably last year, and even his bad season was a lot of people's great season. So even with that being said, I think the New York Jets are a much better football team than they were last year because of the quarterback position. I think 12 feels a little low, but not a lot low. Like, I could oh, I could, man. I could buy into, like, nine. I mean, I don't have a hard time. The teams at the top of the list now, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Buffalo, San Francisco, I all believe that those teams are better than the Jets. If Tua is healthy this year, then the Dolphins, I think, are better than the Jets. So that's six without even really trying. Then we get to the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Jags. I think that's where it gets a little plug. Like, I think the Jets can be better than the Chargers and the Jags. So I think probably somewhere 9-10 is where they belong, but 12 I mean, they beat little... Buffalo last year with Zach Wilson. So. Yeah, well, the, the Colts also beat the Chiefs last year. So, no, but that's not who we're talking about. I mean, I'm just saying. So I guess we put the Colts <laughs> at the top of the list now because they beat the Chiefs last year. That's always my answer to that. They don't have Aaron Rodgers either. Some college football news. Uh, Michael Rothstein reported that uh, FBS players will be able to be in EA Sports' new college football game next year. So, are you guys in or out that Harry, when he was a college senior, would be a top 20 wide receiver in EA Sports? I mean, speed rating would have been okay, but they would have given him a hit for the size. Uh, the size would have been a hit. Uh, I don't know if they would have trusted the Louisville. Sit- now, you know, top 20-ish. Top 20-ish, maybe 2530. <laughs> I'm in. And I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my composure, y'all, for snap snapping on Jason Fitz right now. I'm in on this. Wait, have you let's ever just, even let's played just mention, the game? You don't play video games. I play okay. I played the game. You didn't play the game. I played it's the first time in my life I've ever been able to say this to an athlete. I played the game, but I'm meaning the college football <laughs> video game that you never played. Go ahead. What I was mean, your highest Madden rating, Harry? I don't even know. I don't play video games, bro. He didn't he play the game. No, he knows. He didn't play uh, no, the game. No, I don't. I don't play video games. See, this is this, just clip this off. I want this as a drop. You didn't play the game, dude. You just you can't know because you didn't play the game. I've never been able to say that to anybody. I've never felt better. I, than I don't play <laughs> video games. I don't know. Oh, God. Speaking of, in or out, Fitz is now the best athlete on the show. Ten seconds. Oh, man. I'm telling you, Orange Theory. <laughs> Seven minute and seven second mile today. A new go, personal record. Go drink a bottle seven of vinegar. Minutes. Hell to the no. I'm going to go pee's what I'm doing. We're going to get some expertise on the NBA next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.